Hey, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Passion OT podcast. Today's episode is all about the first stage of the OT process. So stay tuned if you're an occupational therapist that wants to learn more about what is the first stage of the OT process. How has your week been and how are you feeling? Have you taken yourself some time for reflection this week? If not, why not? Remember to prioritize yourself. So as I'm a community therapist and most of my episodes are relatable to community therapy, I thought I'd share some advice for some other occupational therapists. So this week I put out a post on my Instagram, which was all about what is your advice for a new therapist? And the advice was being honest with your client is better than being perfect. We can't know everything. And I think that's an awesome statement as you really can't know everything. I think as a community practitioner, there is so much to know and it's so important to just give yourself that slack, give yourself that breather. You do not need to know everything. Once you've done the assessment, you can unpick what needs to be done, how you can support somebody. Another, ask the question. So I think this is relating to actually, if you don't know something, ensure that you're actually asking your supervisor, anyone on your team, any other OTs that you know, to actually ask the question to ensure you're getting the answer. This one I love, remembering your core OT theory. So you didn't go to uni for three to four years or even longer to not embed this theory into practice. So regardless of what role you go into, just remember, keep yourself back to your core theory and and what makes us stand out as different professionals as OTs. Take up every learning opportunity. So this is awesome as well. And I think that's important in regards to shadowing people, having people shadow you, any feedback, any professional development that you see. There's a lot of different free webinars online. Um, Here we've got, it's okay to not know the answer. Seek out support when needed. And again, Always ensure that you're in an environment that you can seek out that support because it's so important for your own learning. And then you don't need to be the right therapist for everyone and that's okay. Don't take it personally. And I think that's something that takes time to develop and to develop a bit of that resilience around not taking it personally if somebody doesn't want to work with you. And also it's important to reflect like sometimes You need to say no to referrals if you are not the right clinician to work with that person from personal level, but also on the professional level in regards to your own skill set, which we will go on to. So there are a handful of responses that I've received. Please check out my Instagram because I'm continuing to post lots of different content. So today's episode is specifically on the stage one of the OT process. So what I recommend doing if you haven't done so already is listening to my episode two which was all about the therapeutic use of self and actually how your own personal history can impact how you are as a clinician, how it's so important that we understand this in order for us to use our therapeutic use of self. So have a listen to that if you've not done already. So we're going to be discussing stage one of the community OT process. And this is taken from our generic OT process, as well as my different spin on things, let's say, the passion OT process. So first things first is actually once you've received that referral. So reviewing that referral yourself to understand if this is a referral that you are able to support. So unpicking what the referral is in regards to the person, 
the condition. So unpicking the referral itself to identifying if you are the right clinician for that person. So is it an area of practice that you've had experience in before? Is it, if it's not, is it an area of practice that you can receive supportive? So really ensure you're unpicking that referral to see if one, that you are the right clinician, two, that the person's going to be receiving the best service from occupational therapy from working with yourself. And then also if you have the capacity in regards to your own time to really support that person in a timely way in order for them to meet their goals that they're wanting to meet. So after this, if you've decided that you are the right clinician and you are accepting this referral, what are the next steps? What would I recommend doing? So for me, I would recommend completing some background information gathering. So it's really important to gather this background information to really ensure that the person you're assessing is being supported to the best of their ability during the assessment. So firstly, I would find out how the person communicates and if they require any assistance in communication to ensure that the assessment is client-centered and they're able to communicate during our assessment. So this may be that somebody may need to be present. So this could be unpicking who that person is in order for this person to be supported during the assessment. It could be that your language that you speak is not their first language and you may need to have an interpreter there present. It may be that they communicate using sign language and actually you need to ensure that there's an interpreter there to ensure that you are supporting them with their communication needs. So that's really important to ensure those elements in regards to communication are really addressed to ensure that the person is wholly involved in the assessment. And then it's important to identify who else needs to be present for the assessment. So finding out from the person, finding out from the referrer, who else needs to be present? So is there any other family members that want to be present? What does that person want from this assessment? And who do they want to be present for that? Also find out where is the best location for this assessment to take place? So as a community therapist, majority of the time, the assessments are at home. However, we never should assume this. Like for some people, it might be important for them to build rapport outside of the home environment for like a shorter assessment, or it might be for the first assessment for them to get to know you. They may prefer to have a telehealth appointment. So either on the phone or via video calls. So it's, it's important to provide that as an option as well as finding out what's best for that person. And then also what is the most suited time of day for that person? So it may be that they want an assessment in the morning as this may be their best time of day. They might be more alert in the morning. And also they might have things on in the afternoon. They might be working, they might have family things, might have other occupations that they're doing. As well as it might be that they choose it actually for them, it's best for them to have the assessment in the afternoon. Again, they may have occupations they want to do in the morning. Or it could be that actually they have medication and that actually takes better effect throughout the day and it might be slow releasing. And actually the afternoon's better. It's good to find this information out to ensure that the person is having the assessment essentially at their time of day that they would like to have. And then moving on to this, actually unpacking what their medical history is. So ensuring that you understand what their conditions are and how this could present for them, but also how this could progress for them as well. So everyone's going to be different in regards to the, the person themselves, as well as what their conditions are. 
However, it's good to have that awareness of how a condition could progress. And then also any previous assessments. So I think that's really important. If we're able to be shared with any other previous assessments, it actually really helps gather that background information in regards to the person or occupation history, like what things have they worked on before in regards to their personal life, in regards to their allied health involvement, because actually it helps and prevents the person from having to repeat the same information again if they really don't want to. And this information can be sought from the person themselves. So it might be that you call the person themselves before the assessment. There might be things on the referral in regards to family members to call before the assessment. There may be information in regards to all of the other allied health or medical team that's available and currently working with that person, which has really helped to gather that information. If there are other allied health members that are actively working with the person, I think it's important to contact them before the assessment to really get a bit of information and also to collaborate to ensure that you're providing the person with a holistic assessment and you're collaborating with all of the other allied health team that's working around them. And from these communications, it may actually be that the other allied health team recommend that they're actually present for your appointment or that they align their assessments side by side with yours. Another factor outside of where the assessment is going to be taking place is actually for your own environmental considerations. So for yourself to ensure that the environment is accessible for you, addressing any safety concerns and also being aware of any cultural considerations. So when you are finding out this background information, it might be that during these conversations, you gain a bit more insight about the person's concerns and the goals that they want to achieve. And then what other things could you be doing in regards to preparing for your assessment. So actually identifying the different assessment tools that you want to be using. It could also be preparing the different assessment materials. So what kind of standardized assessments do you want to be using? What kind of observational forms may you be using? Any interview protocols that you might use, as well as depending on the referral, it may actually be suitable to have equipment ready available in your car. In England, in hindsight, I was very, very lucky to be able to have equipment accessible in arm's reach that I could take from the office or I could attend an equipment store to ensure I had this readily available if it was required during an assessment. So that was something that I was so grateful for that I had that equipment resource available to me. So sometimes that's really important in regards to gathering that information because if it is available to you, but then you didn't read the referral or gather that information, it could then mean that you then need to visit the person again, which is an additional time for that person, as well as yourself. And actually, they could have been supported on a much timely basis if you had already explored some more things prior to completing the assessment. Also, in this information gathering element prior to the assessment, it's really, really important to approach your assessment process with cultural sensitivity, awareness, respecting the client's cultural beliefs, their values, and also their preferences. And you may need to adapt your assessment method according to ensure the person's cultural beliefs. So again, this is just my own professional opinion and advice in regards to things to consider prior to a community assessment. If we're able to provide the people that we're supporting with this additional preparation prior to the assessment, it actually will support and normally make our initial assessment and ongoing support more efficient because we've already gained a bit of an insight and a bit of information. So I would love to know what you do prior to your first initial assessment and if you have any different ideas, if you have any different processes in regards to where you work or what your views are on this. <laughs> 
thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Passion OT podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please, please share this with your OT friends and also subscribe to this podcast.